the edge with your Premier League predictions while well, we've teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data behind the game this season. From outright favourites to expected goals outsiders, we'll help you find value in the markets this season. This is Premier League Insights. And this is game week six of the new 2021-2022 season uh, with me, James Gregg, and Jake Oscarthorpe, who puts the info into info goal. You like that strap line? We're going to roll with that. that. Do you like it? Excellent, oh, yeah. I really quite like, like that. that. Just came up with that just then. I'm quite pleased with that. Um, and basically, if you, this is the first time you've listened to the podcast, and apologies to all our long-term and loyal listeners, it's always a good thing to listen to this podcast if you want some good bets ahead of the weekend's football. And sometimes it's not what you would always think. Jake has all the data. We try and back it up and we try and uh, get some picks as well. So actually, we'll just quickly roll over some of the picks from last week. Uh, we had Brighton to beat Leicester. Both teams to score no as well was the bet. Um, also, uh, that I mean, that was mainly down to Leicester playing Thursday night. West Ham, Man United. You like this one, Jake, didn't you? Both teams to score, but a Man United win. <laughs> Look how pleased yeah. you are. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Yeah, that's that. that you, you fancied a win to nil, didn't you? But um, I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I think um, the main bet was just Man United just to win the game. And they made hard work of it, but they, they managed that just in the end, didn't they? Mm, they did. Yeah. And to be fair, I think they probably, I mean, you know, you could have argued that if, well, if that penalty goes in right at the end, what will West Ham doing? What are West Ham doing? But anyway, we weren't complaining from our perspective. Um, and we also had Chelsea to win to nil as well against Spurs, which obviously came to fruition. And uh, we told you to steer clear of the Arsenal game because we didn't know what was happening. And also with City against Saints, we said, don't, Touch that with a barge pole. Just leave it alone because we don't know what's going to happen. I'm glad that we did as well. And um, Newcastle against Leeds. Well, we had Leeds to win. And obviously that came in as well. So it was a good week, good week overall. And um, there was lots of method behind the madness, which I think the listeners will hopefully have gleaned a bit of information on. But this week is game week six. So we'll try and keep our little good run going. It's interesting. Just talk about City, actually. You said leave them alone. They were sort of in a similar position at the start of last season, weren't they? They'd started off quite slowly. Um, 13th they were in the league table after six games. It doesn't happen very often in terms of title winners, um, you know, being so far down that. Manchester United were 10th after six games in 2002 to three when they won the season. City in 2013-14 were seventh after six games and Chelsea were eighth after six games. But apart from that, it just doesn't happen. You usually get off to a flyer if you're going to win the league title. So that's interesting to factor in. And that's where we'll start, actually. We'll start with City. It's probably the game of the weekend and it's the first game up on Saturday at half past 12, Jake. And Chelsea are three, just three point naught to win the Premier League with Pinnacle. As ever, do get all the odds, pinnacle.com, as you listen to this podcast and you can see it's got all the Premier League bets um, and all the total point odds and outright odds and game-to-game odds, etc. as well. Um, City are still favourites, though, to win the league title, which I find absolutely incredible after a slow start and how good Chelsea look. I suppose this will be a real test there, won't it, for them, Jake? How pivotal is this game in reference um, to... You know, the first six games of the season having an effect on the title winners. I mean, what what do you usually think? There's a great article on Pinnacle. How important are the first get, uh, six games of the season when you bet in? Have a look at that. But what are your thoughts on this game, Jake? Where are our listeners um, going to find the edge in this soccer match? 
Yeah, this is probably the, the standout game of the season so far, really. I mean, uh, if Chelsea win this, they open up a six-point gap uh, to Manchester City after six games. And that might not seem like a lot, but when you play a team playing like Chelsea and they're basically just flat-track bullies when it comes to the lower half, um, at the very least, they're going to take some some stopping. Um, and also, if you factor in that, if they do beat Manchester City, they'll have played Man City, Liverpool, Arsenal and Spurs in the first six matches. So they've got four of the toughest 12 games out of the season uh, out of the way already. Um, so, you know, if they were to go and beat Man City, it'd be a real statement. And then I think you would see the title odds shift and Chelsea would become favourites to win that, the Premier League title. Um, they were excellent, weren't they, against Spurs mm. in that second half in particular. Just absolutely wiped the floor with Tottenham. And we know Tottenham aren't all that. We've spoken about them regularly on this podcast. The fact that they've been in a false position um, up to the international break, they were top. But since they've been absolutely thumped back to back 3-0. Um, and yeah, that, that it was just a, a really good all-round performance. We saw exactly why Thomas Tuchel is one of the best managers in the world as well with the you know the subtle change that he made at half-time, bringing Kante on just to shore up that midfield, changing from a 3-4-3 to a 3-5-2 to just give them a bit of extra security. Um, and that's, you know, there's every chance that he will be the difference in the title race because he does seem like, um, you know, of that... Guardiola club level maybe even better than the pair of them because the, the short space of time in which he's come into Chelsea and made these changes and made them look so dramatically better and improved them so much deserves uh, a huge amount of credit and we speak weakly about Chelsea and, and the fact that their defence is the main um, you know that, that is the main contributor to their success and, and that was the case again last week we've seen it so far this season as I said they've, they've had a tough schedule already um, three of last season's top eight in the first five matches they've only conceded more than one expected goal in one match and that was at Anfield um, and it's worth bearing in mind that in the second half when they played Chelsea um, when they played at Liverpool sorry they played with 10 men and they limited Liverpool to less than one XG in the second half so this is an elite defensive team and they're coming up against a Man City team who are equally as good defensively. Yeah, we, we, we're talking, this, they've obviously scored a lot of goals already at the start of the season, a couple of five nils, but it's their defence again, which has stood out. And um, it, on paper, these were the two best defensive teams last season based on expected goals against. At the start of this season, they are looking like the two best again. City allowing just 0.56 expected goals against per game through five matches, which is a, a astonishingly low number. And if they continued that over the course of the season, it would break the record based on InfoGoals model for wow. the best defensive season ever seen according to expected goals. Um, and yeah, it, it's just, how do you look at this game? Do you look at it as a an opportunity for both teams to get one over on the rivals or do you look at it as a, as a match that neither will want to lose um, and give an advantage to their rivals? Because if Chelsea lose this game, obviously Manchester City will have a massive tick box next to their name. The fact that they've been to Stamford Bridge to the second favourites for the title and won. And if Chelsea win, then, you know, Manchester City six points behind as we've discussed. So do you look at it as both teams happy for a draw? Personally, that's the way I'm leaning. I think that, there is not a lot between these two teams. I said it when Chelsea played at Liverpool. I didn't think there's much between the sides. Um, and when that is the case, they do tend to cancel each other out. And it was a trend last season that we saw matches between the so-called big six were very low scoring compared to previous years. And I expect this to be exactly the same. So I'm looking at the goal line. Under two and a half goals is priced at around 1.8 on Pinnacle. 
Um, I would still back that at that price. Uh, I think that that's a very solid bet. I, I can see this being a 1-1 draw, a game of few chances. Um, and that, again, that, that brings a draw into play. I mean, that the, the 1x2 mark is fascinating, really, because Chelsea are moving to marginal favourites to beat Manchester City in the game. 2.76, Manchester City 2.77. So they are pretty much making it a pick em, uh, on at Pinnacle. And the, the draw is the biggest runner at 3.35. And given the two defences that are on show, the, the goal expectancy is therefore going to be quite low. Um, and when the, goal, when the goal expectancy is low, then the draw all of a sudden becomes a serious runner. Um, so for me, the two bets in this game would be back the draw at 3.35 uh, and back under two and a half goals at 1.8. Because although we've seen Tuchel beat Pep three times after joining Chelsea last season, once in the league, once in the FA Cup, once in the um, in the Champions League, I do think that Manchester City will be they'll they'll know what's on the line in this game. It's not quite season defining just yet, but if they do lose to Chelsea, then all of a sudden they're playing catch up, and uh, and we saw them play catch up last season, but it was. Arguably slightly easier to play catch-up last season, given there was no fans in stadiums. So the home field advantage was reduced all over. And we know Man City usually play in front of an empty stadium anyway, so they're used to it. Um, Whereas, you know, this season, they're going to have to go to these difficult away grounds full of uh, of fans. And if they're chasing Chelsea down, it's going to be a very difficult task. So definitely siding with, with the draw to me, looks a sensible play um, and under two and a half goals in what I I expect to be a very tight game between the two best teams in the league. It's in a repeat, of course, of last season's Champions League final. And also, you've got to remember, Thomas Tuchel hasn't lost to Guardiola as the Chelsea boss and they played each other three times now. So it's not, look, it's not the biggest sample size in the world, but it gives you a clear indication that actually he's a tactically astute man, is Thomas Tuchel. That's something that we didn't really need that stat to tell us that anyway really did we but that's um that's interesting it all makes perfect sense to me when you explain it like that uh so that's the first game boxed off here on the podcast this week under two and a half goals at 1.8 or a draw or a combine the two jake would you combine the two um not really no right. i i back them separately just because you know if you're back in the draw under two and a half you're only you basically might as well dutch the the nil nil and the one one correct scores whereas mm. if you're backing them separately if you do get a freak like a two-two or a three-three draw, you're still making money. And yeah. if you do get a two-nil win either way or a one-nil win either way, you're still making money. So, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd stake accordingly. The shorter price under two and a half, couple of points, uh, and the draw maybe one point for staking plan. Perfect. There we go. That's uh, that's Jake's tips for this week on that first game, that opening game uh, from the podcast perspective anyway, at half past 12 on Saturday. You're right, it is the game of the weekend as well, isn't it? The game of the season so far, uh, which is nice. We'll say that probably a few times throughout the rest of the season. Of course we will. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, okay. The next game we're going for is half past five, Brentford against Liverpool. Oh, this is the game of the season so far. Yeah, yeah there we go. Game of the season so far. <laughs> Um, Liverpool is weird because they, they've snuck under the radar a little bit. That's how it feels. I mean, it, that sounds really daft. They've actually got exactly the same record as Chelsea joined top of the table. But I see what you're saying. Chelsea have had a tougher run of fixtures. Um, I mean, just have, haven't they? It's just a fact. It's not an opinion thing. They have had a tougher run. At Brentford, um, good win 
um, against Wolves, in fairness. I mean, they they look like they've got plenty to stay up, by the way, don't they? They look plenty like a proper decent team. Uh, any crumb of optimism, though, in this game for Brentford fans um, against Liverpool or people particularly trying to back them? I mean, where is the value, first and foremost? But it's um, if, you're, if you're a Brentford fan and you've got Liverpool coming to your swanky new stadium and you're piling in to watch that game on Saturday, what are you thinking? Because I'm I'm not seeing anything other than a Liverpool win. Yeah, very much on the same um, tracks as me there. I, I think you're right. Liverpool have snuck under the radar and, and that's because Man City, the reigning champs, uh, Chelsea have had a tough schedule and dealt with it very, very impressively. And obviously Man United have signed Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah. So that's sort of uh, covered over the good work Liverpool have done. But, you know, they, they've been very good the way they've gone about their business. Um you know, Van Dijk coming back in to help them out massively. They've kept four clean sheets in five league games. The only team to score past them has actually been Chelsea. So, um, you know, they, they are looking back to their best defensively. And that shows in the stats. They're allowing just one, 1.0 free expected goals against per game. So, um, you know, and if you take away the late Norwich rally in the first game of the season where they racked up about 1.5 XG in the last five minutes, then that, that average reduces drastically. And um, we are seeing them consistently limit teams to less than one expected goal, and that's going to keep clean cheeks. But they're up against Brentford, who have been similarly impressive defensively so far this season. Um, they themselves have, have allowed less than one expected goal in three of their five matches. They're averaging 0.85 expected goals against per game. Um, so they're right up there with um, I think it's Manchester City in terms of the defensive process. So it's not going to be an easy game for Liverpool, but one thing that we have seen from them is while the defence has you know, tightened up a bit, going forward, they've looked absolutely you know, unbelievable, really. Uh, creating chances at will. The last two league games... Uh, four and a half XG against Leeds, 3.3 against Palace. If you go back to Chelsea, they racked up 3.4. Uh, Burnley, 2.75. Norwich, two expected goals. So they're consistently creating an, an abundance of chances. And, and I, I personally think it'll be a matter of time before they break down Brentford um, and get the win. Brentford's, while they have been solid at the back, going forward, they've not really... You know they're not they're not firing really mm. on all cylinders. Um, they're averaging just one point one seven expected goals for per game. But if they maintain that same process, they're they're going to stay up very very comfortably. Um, and they do look the most assured of the three promoted teams so far. So a lot of positives surrounding them. But I just think they'll struggle to break down Liverpool. So I'm looking at uh, both teams to score no, which is at one point nine four on Pinnacle as the main bet here. So that you know that covers us for a nil-nil draw, a one-nil Brentford win, um, etc. As long as both teams don't hit the net, we get a winner. And I think given the both teams' defensive records, there's a high chance that one team won't score. Um, but I also like the look of Liverpool to win to nil again, um, which is at 2.6 on Pinnacle. Wow. Uh, all the reasons I mentioned, Liverpool attack is, is firing on all cylinders. They really are clicking. Brentford aren't to the same extent um, and Liverpool's defence is looking very, very assured as well. So Winter Nil looks extremely likely. Um, we've seen Brentford fail to score in, in two of their five games so far and they've not really had the, the hardest of schedules. This is definitely the toughest game today and, um, you know, as we've said, Liverpool are really going under the radar. So I wouldn't be at all, I won't put anybody off back in Liverpool just to win the game at 1.5. I think that's a, a very backable price still for Liverpool, I'd probably make them a bit close to 1.4. So, yeah, back on board the Liverpool train and, and I think we'll keep riding it until the bookies catch up with the fact that this team is actually nearly 
maybe even on par with the title winning team a few years ago. Yeah, well, there you go. That's um, and it's, it's interesting, isn't it? That you know, Van Dyke being back, it, it's, it does seem to have tightened them up a little bit, and it just adds that kind of fear factor a little bit. You know, an immeasurable from from kind of my perspective. You do look at teams like Brentford and playing against Liverpool, and you think they've got not a chance of, of scoring against them now with him back in the side. Whereas last season, they looked like they were going to ship goals, and that's just purely looking at stuff. And I know the data obviously kind of back that up. Um, and that's why they yeah. didn't really challenge at all um, last season. But it's it, it's an interesting factor, isn't it? Yeah, so. and it, it's not. It's worth saying it's not just Van Dijk. Obviously, he's the he's the main culprit. But the other one that's crucial to this Liverpool system is Fabinho mm. because he's the base, the base of the midfield, the uh, the midfield three. And and what happened last season with Van Dijk out, Matip out, Gomez out, etc. All the defense was just completely. You know, they were all in the in the A and E. Um, Fabinho was having to sit, play centre half, and then almost mm. you're weakening two positions there because you, you, you're holding midfielder who shields the defense is not there anymore, and he's playing at centre half where he has played before, but uh, he's not up to the standard of, of the players he's replacing. So now that they're back to a full complement, I mean, they, they do look pretty scary. They do. Uh, so good bets from you there, Jake. Both teams to score now and Liverpool to win 2-0 at um, 2.6. Was it on Pinnacle? 2.6, so yeah. Get yourselves on Pinnacle because those odds are pretty decent, I think, actually. Uh, very decent indeed. Now, the next game we're previewing, um, Arsenal versus Tottenham. North London This Derby. is definitely not, definitely not the game of the season. You're so absolutely far, right two. in that assertion. These two are just, I mean, almost calamitous, bordering on calamitous. <laughs> last, I was just looking at some of the notes that we made from, from last week's um, podcast. And you're basically saying that Spurs, that their their form is shocking. You know, they had, they had nine points up till last weekend, would still have nine points. And you were saying that really looking at the data, they were lucky to have three, which I found remarkable. And then therefore it was absolutely no surprise that Chelsea, um, you know, took them to the cleaners at the weekend. Um, they lost the last two, have Spurs. Arsenal really poor start to the season, but they've won the last two uh, coming into this fixture, albeit against, you know, not the most difficult of opposition, let's be honest, but still a win's a win. You can only beat what's in front of you. How crucial um, is home home field advantage in this game? I wonder actually um, it, it's the, the info goal analyst. Arsenal um, says Arsenal win pinnacle odds at 2.44 uh, for, for that to happen. So where does the value lie in this North London Derby, Jake? I'm just looking at the head to head record as well. 8th of August, 2021. So the most recent meeting, um, in a friendly of all things, and never get why you would have. I mean, you know, as Blade and Owls fans, by the way, for, for our foreign listeners, you know, both lowly t- sides, one's a Premier League glory. But yeah, you know, would you play a friendly Sheffield United against Sheffield Wednesday? Wouldn't be friendly, would it? Absolutely bizarre. No. Anyway, that's fine. <laughs> uh, blame it on COVID. Uh, but then before that, Arsenal won 2 1, Tottenham won 2 0, Tottenham won 2 1, and then there was a two all draw. So you can't really read anything into that. I don't know why I wasted my time looking at that. But actually, <laughs> um, you know, where, where does the value lie in this one? Because it's a tricky one to call, isn't it? It is actually a, a really tricky one and there might not be any value at all anywhere, Jake. Yeah, I found a, a nice bet, actually. That I quite like in this one. And um, yeah, it kind of comes through the fact that Tottenham are crap, really. Um, and adding to what we talked about last week, which was the fact that they were extremely fortunate to have picked up three wins through their opening five games. And um absolutely dismantled by Chelsea and Crystal Palace in back-to-back games. So extremely disappointing. But what we have seen from them is something that 
it's kind of carried on from last season, but almost got worse. And that's the fact that their attacking process is just horrendous. I mean, they, they're barely creating a chance. Um, 0.99 expected goals for per game is what they're averaging through five matches so far this season. So they really are majorly struggling to create any sort of chance. And, and we saw the debate after the Super Sunday game talking about Harry Kane and you know his body language, etc. But he simply just isn't getting the chances to score goals. Like he is a passenger in the Spurs team. That's just the way in which they play. That's because there's there's no inventive creative midfielder there's no one getting the ball from back to front quickly they, they're not playing to his strengths they're not putting balls into the box not playing on the front foot and that was ultimately why he looks disinterested is because he's just not involved in the game whatsoever and whatever that continues you know he'll look exactly the same and he'll he'll probably come out in January and you know there'll be a transfer request handed in for him to move on um, and to be honest looking at what happened in this summer and how Spurs have started the season, Spurs really should have sold Kane for 120, 130 million and bought three or four players to make the squad and the team better because at the minute, their best player, they can't even get him in the game because the players around him are just not up to standard. Um, you know, defensively, they've looked pretty woeful as well. Um, I've been hugely surprised that Nuno hasn't played a back three at all this season. He's stuck to his back four, um, to the back four that we saw get dismantled by Chelsea. And I'm, I'm gobsmacked that he hasn't gone to a three because that would make them much more difficult to beat. And it means mean they're hanging matches a little bit more. Whereas what we're seeing is that they're basically just conceding chances at will and rolling over. I mean, you know, Man City racked up 2.4 XG. Wolves racked up 1.8 XG. Watford, they even they managed to rack up 0.67 to Tottenham's 1.19. So that was a game in which neither team managed much. Palace 2.8, Chelsea 2.49. So... They're just shipping chances left and right. They look easy to play against. Um, and, you know, that to me, Arsenal are in a much better place. Um, yeah, they lost their first three matches, but they played Brentford away, who we now think Brentford are, you know, a comfortable bottom half team. Yeah. Chelsea and Man City were the two games before the international break. Um, they lost both of those handsomely. They looked shocking, but they were missing key players. I mean, Ben White and Gabriel, the two centre-halves who played the last two matches and kept clean sheets, they weren't there. Aubameyang and Lacazette were missing through COVID. Um, so, you know, there's some key players missing. Um, and, and since, yeah, they've come back, they've beaten Norwich and Burnley. But what for me, what, what's been eye-catching is the way in which they've defended in both games. They've Yeah, they've kept clean sheets, but they've limited the number of chances that both have created. Um, 0.64 against Norwich in terms of expected goals, 1.11 against Burnley. So they, they, they look a little bit tighter at the back. Um, as I've said, Ben White and Gabrielle look like a decent partnership. I thought that at the start of the season when I was um, I tipped Arsenal up to finish top six. And the other key cog is, is obviously Thomas Partey as well, who who looks to be back to full fitness. And and if if he is uh, if he can stay fit, then all of a sudden Arsenal will climb the table. I think because looking at them last season, they finished eighth outside the European places, but based on expected points, they should have finished sixth. So it was a top six team before. Uh, for the start of the season and I do think that they will ascend so looking at this game the price around Arsenal is probably about fair um, what you're getting at the moment on Pinnacle 2.37 I wouldn't put anyone off backing that because I think that they're a much better team of the two but the bet I like is both teams to score no again which is at even money on Pinnacle um, and for all the reasons I've said Arsenal looking a little bit tighter defensively Spurs looking real toothless in attack Um I'd again see it being quite a low scoring game but um, if you wanted a bigger price Arsenal win to nil I wouldn't put anyone off backing that but for me the best bet in this game is backing both teams to score no um, it's a bet that's landed in all for five of Tottenham's Premier League matches and all five of Arsenal's Premier League matches so far so neither team has seen has had a both teams to score game so far um, 
if you like, you know, your recent form to be incorporated into your, um, your betting uh, thought path. Um, but yeah, the underlying numbers scream both teams to score knowing this. Well, there you go. It's, that's an interesting one, that isn't it? They've not neither team has been involved in their both teams to score game. That's incredible. Um, now, I'm just trying to work out. So as you know, Jay, we've got a lot of foreign listeners to this podcast. Um, and by foreign, I mean, as in not here in the UK. So it's fascinating to them, a lot, a lot of these intricate bits of information. And it's it's uh, lots of things that English football has that NFL doesn't have and NBA doesn't have. One of them being the game that we're about to do next. And you know what I'm coming on to? It's Palace against Brighton. It's the Monday night football game here in the UK. Now, these two teams are absolutely nowhere near each other geographically. I think you were going to go there. Yeah. You, you, but but yeah. I'm, <laughs> it's nothing. This is just purely, purely out of interest. So but lots of people go, why? It's a really weird derby. And actually, a lot of English football fans don't really get it. They don't really understand. They go, what's this? Why, why do Palace and Brighton hate each other so much? And it's just, uh, it sends from, you know, in the 70s, there was a series of tensions when they were playing each other in the FA Cup matches and this kind of stuff. And um, there was cup ties and controversies and coffee being thrown from the stands. And it all sounds all very polite, actually. But it all stems from that. There's no other reason. There's no geographical or monetary reason. It's just weird. So anyway, that adds a little bit of spice to this game because it's the first time they've played each other in the Premier League, which makes things fairly interesting. Um, so there we go. I mean, Brighton, by the way, your, your favourite team um, <laughs> on the Premier League inside yeah. podcast. They are, they're aren't they? blue and white as well, so... Oh, there you go. It's like a little bit of Sheffield yeah. Wednesday up in the Premier League. Um, Brighton are f- fourth um, at the moment. Four wins and just one defeat. Um, but they've only beaten Palace once in their last five meetings. Did Palace still hold the advantage this time around, I wonder, Jake? Um, difficult one to call because obviously Palace, they started slowly the season, but they obviously picked up a point at West Ham which can be seen as a very good result uh, and, a, and a home win against Spurs, which, you know, the manner of the victory is probably more impressive than the actual result itself. So I think they're improving under Vieira, but I do think there's a lot, they've got a lot of work to do to catch this Brighton team that that look like, um, you know, one of the best, most well-drilled sides in the Premier League. Um, as you've said, they sit a lofty fourth. People might look at that and think, well, you know, they're going to drop down soon. And they, they could work, they probably will, but... Um, Based on the XG numbers from last season, they should have finished in the top six rather than the bottom six. Um, and while this time around they've, they've not yet matched that XG process in terms of chance creation and chance limitation, they are still posting a positive expected goal difference. So, whatever you do, that you are going to finish. You know, you're going to be in, in around the top ten at the very least. Um, whereas Crystal Palace, despite what was an absolute dismantling um, of Tottenham, in which they won the XG battle by. 2.8. They're still posting a minus expected goal difference. And that, you know, that's because they played Liverpool at the weekend and Liverpool sort of completely leveled off that Spurs win in terms of XG. Um, so I, I've personally, I'm struggling for betting this. I, I think Brighton are potentially backable at 2.61. Um, we've seen them already go away to Burnley and Brentford and win. If you include the Carabao Cup, where they went to Cardiff and won 2-0, they've won all three of their away matches so far this season. And that's mainly come off the back of um, you know decent defensive displays. And Crystal Palace at home against Spurs, they didn't do much until they got reduced to 10 men, Tottenham. Um, and then they obviously exploded with a couple of goals and a penalty. Uh, against Brentford, they really struggled to create chances. So again, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at a low-scoring game. 
the goal line is is already set quite low. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very tempted to say no bet in this one because, oh. as you said, it's there is a rivalry here. Rivalry games tend to be quite cagey. Palace yeah. have a good record in these matches, but I just think Brighton, to me, are the better of the two teams. And given what we've seen from Brighton in a couple of weeks' time, would you be able to get 2.6 for them to beat Crystal Palace away, a team that we expect to finish bottom half? Probably not. It'd probably be close to 2.5, 2.4. So I think Brighton to win is probably a marginal value bet. That's where I would go in this one. Um, in what is quite a tough game to call. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Okay. I mean, I mean, there was a little bit of method behind my madness in explaining the rivalry because <laughs> as much as it's just complete nonsense, there's also a little bit in there that you're right, these rivalry games do tend to be cagey, sort of weird affairs, don't they? Derby games, you see sometimes very low scoring and sort of freak results going against the data, uh, which must be a nightmare for you guys doing the data <laughs> info goal, but yeah. there we go. Um, it doesn't really mean much um, now because obviously Palace are without, you know, they've moved on from Hodgson, they've brought Patrick Vieira in. But last season at Sellers Park, Brighton went there, drew 1-1 for a 90th minute equaliser. But it is worth, <laughs> they drew 1-1, but that's only because Crystal Palace scored with their only shot of the game, which happened to be a penalty. So it was a complete 1-1 massacre mm. in Brighton's favour. And then, the, you know, we saw Crystal Palace go to Brighton um, at the back end of last season, they won 2-1. They lost the XG battle 3.03 to 0.27 and somehow came away with a 2-1 win. So wow. again, completely burgled things. They only managed three shots in the game and scored two of them, including a 95th minute winner. Whereas Brighton just, you know, they had three big chances and a host of really good little ones. So, you know, if, if, if history repeats itself and Brighton do dominate the XG battle once again, expect Brighton to come out on top this time around because those kind of results are unsustainable and yeah the Crystal Palace have been if you work that out what's that so they they, they scored four, three of their four shots last season against Brighton um, and picked up four points which is just remarkable uh, while allowing nearly five expected goals so yeah <laughs> Brighton really had the number last season but as we've said it, different manager different way of playing few new players in there difficult to call but I'd still fancy Brighton to win at the prices I, I think there might be a slight overreaction to Crystal Palace especially the win against Tottenham mm. because as we've said Tottenham really aren't a very good team um, so yeah yeah, it, it's, it's tough to call but I'm, I'm quite happy with taking Brighton to win. Well, there we go. He's nailed colours to the mass finally after lots of, uh, you know. Coming <laughs> <laughs> an hour in, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine, Jay. That, good work. Good work. I like it a lot. Um, I just want to um, just just go on to some of the other games from the weekend ahead um, because they're our main games that we're going to kind of, you know, do the deep analysis on. That's what we do every single week here on this podcast with Pinnacle. But... Uh, we've got Leeds West Ham at three o'clock on Saturday, Burnley Leicester at three o'clock on Saturday, Watford Newcastle. Of course, we're not talked about Man United this week um, against Villa, um, which makes a surprising change. Actually, that's what we we love talking about Manchester United um, and uh, Southampton against Wolves as well. So, Jake, just just quickly, we don't have to touch all the games. Where where would you start in terms of adding some value? So, look, we've got value from those four games. Looking at the other fixtures, scanning down, where are you thinking that you can find some some value in, in some of the markets? Uh, just to just to help top up, because two or three bets out before we round things off. Okay. Um, Man United Villa, I think just following the path of 
what we've seen so far from United since Ronaldo's joined and back in Man United to win and both teams to score. Because what we are seeing, uh, and that's priced at around 3.05, what we are seeing from United is that they are creating a lot of chances. Um, Ronaldo's getting on the end of a lot of them, including big chances. But defensively, they look vulnerable because of the way in which they're playing. Um, obviously, Villa had that really good win against Everton. They were fortunate to actually score three times from that. But um, they have some serious weapons to hurt Man United on the counter-attack. You're thinking of Ings, you're thinking of Watkins. Um, and yeah, the, the way in which they played against Chelsea, they were unlucky not to get on the score sheet there in the 3-0 defeat. So I, I quite fancy them to go to Man United and at the very least get on the score sheet. So I would just put up both teams to score. Actually, I'm going to put up both teams to score. 1.82. Um, that, that for me is the best bet. Man United to win and both teams to score would be a secondary bet. But both teams to score, yes, at 1.82 looks a really sensible bet in that one because of just, just the way in which Man United are playing so far this season. It's landed in all, in five of their six games in all competitions. Wow. Really like the look of that one. Um, as for the rest, looking at the Leeds-West Ham game, that's a really interesting game to keep an eye on because obviously West Ham have a Europa League game to look forward to mm. next week, which could be in the back of the minds. I think they're at home that time though, so that might not be too much of an issue. Um, whereas Leeds have had some real issues creating chances so far this season. Yeah. Um, just 1.15 expected goals for per game is, is a really, really poor turnout for Marcelo Bielsa's side. I mean, they averaged over 1.6 per game last season, so it's a huge drop-off in that regard. Um, and yeah, looking at the prices, I... I probably be very tempted to back West Ham to win at around 2.5. Um, Leeds, they are going to play attacking football. They are going to play open football uh, and that suits West Ham. I think Antonio's back for this as well, um, which is huge, huge boost for them. I think he was only one match suspension for a second yellow card. Um, that's a huge boost for West Ham. And, and obviously the, the other major factor is it leads vulnerability from set pieces, which seems to still be there. Um, and West Ham's dominance from set pieces. They've got some big boys there. Zuma's in the side now, who's another really, really good player when it comes to attacking crosses. Suchek, obviously, Rice. Antonio's great in the air. So I definitely would be looking at backing West Ham to win it around the 2.5 mark. Yeah. Um, any other business? Well, I was going to look at that game. Jake, I'm just, just, just thinking like Leeds, shocking at the back. West Ham loves scoring Antonio back. Both teams to score? With, there, I know it's at Ellen Road. Um, yeah, both, both teams to score, absolutely. Both teams yeah. to score, yeah. I mean, because um, it's interesting. Leeds, they've actually started really badly, really, really badly. Three points from their opening five games, conceding 12 goals and only scoring five. Not really what we'd have expected at this stage, is it? You know, if, if before the season, if we'd have said, right, after five games, where are Leeds going to be? We'd have said, 12th mm, or whatever. I'm, I'm guessing, I'm guessing the info goal model would have said something fairly similar. But West Ham... Um, yeah, we we, we kind of like West Ham. We kind of know what you're going to get, don't you? A bit gung ho. So yeah, okay, all right. I like that. Both teams to score and uh, and a West Ham win. Cool. I'm all over that. That one's in the notes for next week. Hopefully that one comes in. And uh, any <laughs> any of the business, Jake? Before we uh, we leave the listeners to it, I think Newcastle are a bit big this weekend at Watford. It's been a bit too much of an over exaggeration or an overreaction to Watford's beat beating Norwich quite comfortably last week, 3-1. They deserved to, to win the game. They were you know, by far the better side, creating much the better chances, but it was Norwich. And Norwich have now lost 15 straight Premier League matches across obviously two seasons. So they're, they're a losing machine on Norwich. And um, I know they'd had a tough schedule up until that game, but I don't know how much you can read into that result. Uh, Newcastle, they've had a, 
a trickier start than, than Watford. I thought they played pretty well against Leeds. Um, a draw was the least they deserved. They are missing Callum Wilson, which is a huge blow um, for them moving forward. But I think there's enough creativity in there uh, to, to really cause Watford some issues. So I'd be, I'd be having a small, very small bet on Newcastle to win the game and, and probably actually go plus naught on the Asian handicap and, and back wow. basically Newcastle draw no bet. So if, if the game ends in a draw, which is highly likely given that it's, uh, it's Newcastle and Watford, then you get your money back. Um, and then the only other one is, is Wolves to go to Southampton and get a win. I think that looks a big price. Okay. Again, some overreaction potentially to Southampton's draw at the Etihad. They were very fortunate. They rode their luck quite a lot. They conceded around one and a half expected goals. So we would have expected Manchester City to at least score once. Um, and Wolves, they were poor against Brentford, I thought defensively, especially in that first half. But um, they fought back quite well and, and created a, a fair few chances. Um, you know, they've been one of the teams that we've been impressed by from an underlying numbers standpoint so far this season, averaging over two expected goals per game, allowing just 1.07. So I think their price is a little bit too big at the moment, um, around 2.93. So I'd be having a small bet on Wolves to win as well. Jake, thank you for your insights as ever. Um, Jake Oscarthorpe from InfoGoal with us on every week on this Premier League Insights podcast throughout the season. Um, that is all you're going to get from us this week. I think that's quite enough, actually, um, in terms of help and odds and um, and basically where the value lies in the market. And we're here every single week, like I say, of the Premier League season. You can find more about InfoGoal's model as well that Jake uses to come up with those odds at infogoal.net. He's at Jake Oz, O-double-Z on Twitter as well. All the latest Premier League markets at pinnacle.com as well as the first, um, well, that big article that I mentioned right at the start of the podcast, actually, about the importance of the first six games of the season. And it's a really interesting read. I did read it before we recorded this podcast and it's fascinating. And uh, you gain some insights on there as well. There's loads of posts like that though at Pinnacle on Twitter, pinnacle.betting on Instagram. And uh, we've got this week's Ryder Cup coverage. Stay tuned on the socials and odds for that as well. Um, there's a brand new South American soccer podcast as well um, that I've not listened to yet, but I will do. I'll be giving that a listen this week. Um, that's on all platforms as well. As ever, all odds correct at the time of recording. But more importantly, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.